War is something you never choose. It's not your choice, but a lot of lives have been changed and people had to learn how to live in new environment with new rules. A lot of moms started to sleep with their kids together. The most scary thing I heard is like if the rocket will hit our house, it's better for us to be together and to die together. I barely remember 2022, to be honest, because we were so shocked and so mentally not prepared to deal with everyday disaster. And my grandma has been to the concentration camp in Germany. My grandpa has been a part of the armed forces and it's a part of our family. And we could never imagine things went this way between Russia and Ukraine. You grew up in poverty. You then went to go work in fashion. You then met your husband. You quit fashion. You then opened up a restaurant with him. You then divorced your husband. You were then a single mother. You then went through a war. You then fled a war, lived in a country with a complete random stranger and started a new business. <laughs> this was the time when I lost myself. Like, what am I doing here? Can I find friends? Like, what will happen to my country? Yeah. It was so many questions and no answers. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone and welcome back to Millennial Mind and I have one really quick favour to ask from all of you. If you haven't already, wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, if you could press the follow and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting me on this journey here. Let's get into it because I cannot wait for you to see my new studio and my incredible guest today. Elisa, welcome to Millennial Mind. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Shivani. It's a pleasure and an honor for me. Oh, you're so sweet. I saw your story and I just had to interview you. But for people who don't know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? So my name is Alisa Kuper. I came from Ukraine and I've been living in London for a little bit more than one year now. Mm-hmm. I came here with my son because the war which started, uh, which Russia started in Ukraine. And now we have to establish our life here. So I started my own business, which is small now. It's mm-hmm. an agency and try to manage all all this life, which is about uh, maintaining your child, a happy childhood, and keep myself sane. Mm, It's very difficult, I've heard, for Uh, anyone who's a parent. (laughs) But with everything else, uh, moving to a different country, not knowing anyone, you know, English is your third language, right? That's correct. What's what's your first? 
So my first language, unfortunately, is Russian, because uh, I've been um, I went to school in early 90s, and we have no choice. So all the schools in my region were uh, Russian-speaking. Wow. Uh, yes, it was Russian-speaking schools, uh, the same as the uni. Uh, so it wasn't my choice to be educated in Russian. It was, I think, the legacy of the Soviet Union, where they try to make everyone speak in one Russian language and made to make everyone forgot their original roots. Wow. And you think that you, th- you believe that to be true? Uh, that's Of course, that's true, because they try to mix people from different parts of the Soviet Union so they can take a part of Ukrainians or Crimean Tatars and send them to Siberia to mix with um, different uh, ethnic groups in Soviet Union and try to force us to forget the roots, to forget the language, to forget the culture. Do you, did you realize that now or did you did you feel that growing mm. up? So whole all Ukrainian literature and history is based on a struggle and people were struggling a lot for last 400 years. When I was a child, I didn't actually understand why and what has been happening to my um, people back mm. then. But war which happened, like which started in 2022, it doesn't happen in uh, overnight. Uh, it is a logical way of the Russian police, uh, policy which has been provided since Soviet Union began. Mm. So you felt that growing up? Yes, but mainly I started to understand it in, 2000, uh, in 2014 when the first invasion started in Donbass region. Talk, talk to me about growing up. What was it like growing up in Ukraine? Uh, so um, <clears throat> I've been growing up uh, on the eastern part in, of Ukraine in a city called Kharkov. Okay. In a really poor family, I would rather say poor, about the poverty, not even the lower class. But when you're a child, you don't understand this. You have a nice memories. You have lovely parents and friends. So um, a lot of my... A lot of people which I knew back then never been abroad, never had a international passport to travel. We had extremely unsafe childhood, as I can say from now on, when I, I'm a mother as well. And <clears throat> we did a lot of things which could be, uh, which are not allowed to do to kids anymore like what <laughs> so uh, we were able to walk on the streets alone i think since we turned seven okay uh we've been traveling around the neighborhood which were totally unsafe with a lot of people doing drugs uh really high crime level as well and i believe that's a good luck that i managed to grow up through this and still alive <laughs> really it was that unsafe um, true, but when you, back then in 90s, you didn't actually understand this because everyone lived like this. We have a um, shortage of the electricity and the same happens when the Russia uh, attacked our uh, electricity stang- stations this winter. So uh, millions of people stayed with no electricity in winter and winter in Ukraine is like minus 20. 
a lot of people with small kids, uh, no elevators working, no heating, no light, and a lot of, like, they don't have gas stoves, they have electric, electric stoves, so they were, were not able to cook food for kids. That was happened to Ukraine this winter. And my childhood, uh, it wasn't a war, obviously, but still mm. we have a shortage of electricity, and sometimes uh, we had electricity for uh, like six years per uh, six hours per day or eight hours per day, and you have to do all your errands during this time. Wow! So you grew up mm. in a lot of poverty. Uh, that's true. Okay, and and then how did you kind of study or go to university? There were a con- contest for everyone to with the main prize as a Milan Fashion Week, and I was deeply into fashion back then at nineteen okay. years old. Um, when you don't have internet, you don't have lots of opportunities. The only window to the real big world for me was the glossy magazines. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of beautiful ladies wearing different brands. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to live a life like this, not the life I'm living right now. That was the only thing I saw. Probably if I saw people who were establishing um, Apple back then or Google or yeah. some people from like maybe I would rather be in IT industry but I only saw magazines I see <clears throat> so I just won that contest and <laughs> wait what I how just, did you win um I was a really fashion geek when I'm deeply into some theme I go deep into like I want to know everything about it and okay. I believe that I was the best um, so I won this competition and went abroad for the first time to see real fashion, not on the pages of the magazine. With who? By uh, yourself? No, it was actually a TV program with a girl who is now living in Silicon Valley and she is the founder of this um, artificial intelligence startup in Silicon Valley. But back then she was doing a TV program about the fashion. Uh, her name is, I don't know if you need this to podcast, her name is Daria Shapovalova. She's also from Ukraine and she okay. moved to uh, California like wow. a few years ago, I believe. Amazing. So, and I, it was first time I saw how, first, how can people live, mm. uh, how hard they should work, because my work approach was less, um, I wasn't overachiever back then. I was thinking that I'm working good enough, I'm mm. fine, and I saw so they've been working since the very morning when ju- we, when they just opened their eyes mm-hmm. and they ended up editing videos, making st- like not stories back then, but some, I don't remember, maybe it was a Twitter mm-hmm. or some earlier socials. And I was like, oh my God, you sh- should work so hard to this. And I went also to uh, several speakers who impressed me with their attitude because if you are focused uh, on anything you do, you focus on this on 100% of time. You're reading the books regarding it. Um, you're watching any content regarding this. You're not doing mm-hmm. your work from 9 till 5. That was life-changing experience for me. So you saw people that were actually working longer hours focused on one thing? Uh, not only the longer hours, but also more passionate way. And they feel really dedicated to what they have been done. Mm. And they were real professionals mm-hmm. not somebody just like there were thousands of people who just came to the office to move the papers or yeah. to sit nearby the laptop and I didn't want to spend my life like this I love that I think it's so important that you've said that because so many of us think we just need to get a job right mm-hmm. 
even if you're doing a job that you don't necessarily like and you're getting paid a good salary, you're still not enjoying your time every single day, right? I think we forget that. I think I used to think that. Well, you know, it doesn't matter because me doing my job allows me to do this podcast. But one day I realized I'm spending all my jo- all my time doing a job I don't like and spending a little bit of time doing the thing that I do like. So why can't I sw- swatch like why can't I switch those things over? And it takes time and it's not easy, but it's better to be doing something that you love and you're passionate about and you want to be up all night doing rather than spending every moment of your life and wasting your time being unhappy. I can relate on 100% because I also have the same experience on this. When Mm -hmm. I uh, was changing my career path and I decided that I want to make a bigger salary, so I had to move and do some things which I don't really enjoy. But also it takes some time for you to understand this. And I think that also goes along with when you became became emotionally mature person because yeah. when uh, you're younger and you want money and you want to be in fashion this all blinks into your eyes so brightly that you barely see what uh, you actually want to do it's so true i think we rarely take a step back and think about what do we want and as i've gotten older i realize that time is my biggest asset and so it doesn't matter how much money i'm making and then that time even if someone offered me you know a million pounds to go back to my old job actually i don't know maybe i would say <laughs> You know, if someone wants you to use up your time to do something you don't want to do, that's actually the biggest waste, you know. So, okay, you went, you won this competition, you went to Milan, and then what? Uh, then I returned to work in my hometown, mm-hmm. but I had a big, big dream to become a professional fashion stylist in a glossy magazine in the capital of Ukraine, which I successfully did. Uh, so, How? yes... Um, I was uh, adventurous and curious mm-hmm. and I decided to fake my own portfolio first uh, to become a stylist. Like, uh, like I didn't have a portfolio, obviously, for, for a fashion styling. So uh, I just used my friends, a f- uh, photographer who was my friend, uh, wardrobe, and we created something which were more or less looks like a uh, fashion glossy. And I took this portfolio, went to my first job interview, there were an um, editor-in-chief and art director. So art director saw my uh, portfolio and silently went out from my interview. Like it was a really bad sign for me. <laughs> she didn't like it at all. And believe me, no one will like this, which things which we created. But still, I've, um, I've been offered a job as a fashion assistant if you saw fashion um, stories in a magazine, there are always some short subscription like a trench coat, Burberry, shoes, Gucci, dress, Erdem. And these small captions was written by me. Proudly, <laughs> proudly written by me. Amazing. So you got the job with that company yes, when the right. woman walked out of the interview? Uh, no, it was, um, it was a fashion glossy Marie Claire Ukraine. And I was a part of the team of Mary Claire Ukraine. And I went all the way from the fashion assistant to shooting the very first cover of the magazine, which was wow. produced in Ukraine. Uh, we did some great fashion stories, which has been syndicated to Mary Claire Turkey, to some different uh, countries, like to the other countries as well. Wow, amazing. So at this time, were you living away from your family? Uh, that's that's correct. I've been living away from the family, but still Ukraine is not so big, so you mm-hmm. can go for a weekend to see your parents if you wish to. Okay. But I lost my mom at the age of 25, oh. so it was quite soon. Oh. And she never met my son, unfortunately. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear oh, that. Oh, that's fine. 
So how did you cope with that if you were living abroad? Well, you were living away from home, and your mom passed away when you were living away, or when you? Were uh, yes, uh, she passed away when I was living away already, and I was building a career of fashion stylist. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, that's the worst thing which can happen to a personality mm. to lost your mother because that's really important figure in your life yeah i have i'm a person who have only one tattoo on my body like i believe that there are persons who never do tattoos mm-hmm. or some persons who do a lot when mm-hmm. they started you cannot stop so i have only one i made it more than uh, 10 years ago actually today is this year is 10 years since my mom passed away and this is dedicated to my mother uh, so that's also made me think about my health uh, more carefully and to pay more attention to my lifestyle cho- my, my lifestyle choices because mm. I have a small son and I'm really important figure in his life. Of course. And we are here in a country where we have no relatives. We have some friends, but that's also these friends are new to me because we are living here only for a little bit more than a year. Mm. So I have to be focused on my mental health and my physical health to keep me uh, healthy and strong to live long enough to protect him and mm-hmm. to give them something in this life. Wow. So you were you were twenty five when your mom mom passed away. Yeah, that's correct. Then were you still working in the fashion magazine? Did you when did you get married? When did you have your son? Um, I've been a passionate cooker and uh, I cooked a lot at home after the fashion shootings. And I moan a bit that mm-hmm. when, when I will turn twenty five or thirty, I will quit fashion and start to be a chef. Oh, it was mostly a joke back then. Uh, but afterwards, I met my ex-husband. He was starting a restaurant business from a one small cafe. Mm-hmm. And I decided that this is the time for me to become a chef. So firstly, I've been involved in the social media in the restaurant business. So it's not like that. Let's go together and cook alongside on the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I've been doing social media s- since the very beginning of the era of Instagram. Wow. And we started to do it in, uh, it was first collaborations with influencers when it was not paid a huge amount of money to them. You can just invite a blogger <laughs> to the restaurant. Um, you can like, uh, please enjoy the food and drinks and everything and you will have a review and yes. you've been tagged and it was more easily back then. So we were the first, uh, it was our first steps in social media and we created accounts and growing communities for social media around the restaurant industry. And you quit fashion at this time? Uh, yes, I quit okay. fashion. Uh, I think it's in the very beginning of our relationship. I moved from the capital to the southern part of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, to build my family and to build a f- to build to build to build a restaurant business, family restaurant business, and to have a child. Mm-hmm. And the craziest decision back then was when I was already pregnant to go and study to be a chef as a professional, not a passionate home cooker, but as a yeah. professional. And I, it was like five to six days per week. You always on your feet, and it's like really this work really drains you off Mm. it took so much physical labor to be a chef and i was crazy enough to do it when i was pregnant (laughs) i don't know what i was thinking about (laughs) but you know the pregnant women sometimes made unreasonable decisions (laughs) (laughs) so i opened my very own first place which was about the thai cuisine Mm -hmm. um after a trip to 
Thailand somehow. Uh, so, but as long as I was pregnant and I was uh, shortly due to see my child, mm. it was I wasn't capable to do both these things, to be on my maternity leave and also be a chef at a small um, yeah. place. So it was, I think, my first fall as a restaurateur because at this place we, so, uh, we closed after six months it was established. Really? Uh, yes, but it was uh, really um, painful for your ego. Of course. Because if you just finished your culinary classes you become a chef you uh, you waiting for a child and that would be a great achievement to have alone like how can you do this uh, you can do a run a restaurant business you can be a mother you can do everything and uh, still look sexy and hot mm -hmm. and um, smile to everyone not to be a crazy lady who is barely sleeping but this mm -hmm. is not true it doesn't work like this uh, when I see younger moms who try to put themselves to lose weight faster after they give birth to their kids mm -hmm. like please give yourself some time i mm -hmm. didn't have this time i was obsessed with getting back to shape uh, with my career because i spent only five months on maternity leave and in ukraine it is longer uh, than here and i was uh, for me it was hard to stay at home mm -hmm. i will i've been always um, or a career-oriented person, so we started to work alongside with my ex-husband. So I believe that this idea of doing everything together is so incorrect. Really? But what I observe here is people tend to give birth later when they are financially stable to live for a year at least, mm. to spend with the child, to give yourself some time, because it's actually a shock for a yes. person. All your lifestyle lifestyle changed. You've been a young professional before. You earn like generous amount of money to spend. I don't know on the shoes, uh, Friday nights. Uh, uh, I don't know business Dinner. business yeah. taxis, like everything like this. Now you have a child. You have to your cost uh, of living is rising. You are attached to your home. You're attached mm. to the breastfeeding process, and you are no longer have this freedom of doing whatever you want. Uh, and this, uh, it takes some time to understand this and to accept this idea. I was disagree. I was trying to prove everyone that I can still be the same free person as I was before. But no. <laughs> so interesting. You know, it's so funny because I think when you're growing up, you, you are never told having a child is difficult. No one ever talked about it. It was just what everyone does and everyone gets on with it and it's lovely and it's amazing and how wonderful to have a family and everything's so picture perfect. It's only now that I'm talking to people within their 30s and my friends are also going through it that everyone's telling me it is so difficult to have children. There are so many things you have to think about in terms of you are attached to this baby all the time. And I, you know, when you're younger, you just think, yeah, well, obviously... But as you're older and you're used to, you know, having your freedom and being able to go to the toilet and being able to have a shower and have a hot cup of tea and just see your friends, I've never realized how much of a drain it can be. Even if you're the most maternal person in the whole world, it's still very difficult. And I think more women are voicing that concern right now around how hard it is to actually start a family, especially like you said, in this cost of living crisis where everything is so expensive. It's never really taught to you that you have to save up to have a child. You know, you have to be in a really financial position to be able to actually say, yeah, we should have a child. 
you know, your whole life you're just taught, you know, use contraception because you shouldn't have a child. And when you're older, you know, people are saying, well, it's very difficult to have a child and you have to try. I can agree that it is really hard to be a parent for a good parents because I believe that means that you are putting enough uh, obligations in this role mm-hmm. and you feel like you are obliged to do certain things to a child. That's first thing. And second thing, uh, that's a good thought to think about. Like we've been taught, we heard a lot that you have to save for mortgage, for probably for down payment uh, to buy a house. But it's never been told how much money do you have to spend uh, at least for 18 years of raising a kid. So true. If you want to go, I don't know, uh, in Ukraine we've been attending, a, my son has been attending a private school mm-hmm. and it was uh, a little bit cheaper that it, the cost of private schools here. And if you want to go to a uni, you had to, at least for some time, uh, if you are capable to find a secondary school which can provide a higher level of education for kids mm-hmm. of course the education is free to everyone but this rate raise among the parents it begins before kids even has been born because if you want to go to a good primary school you had to put yourself in a list otherwise you won't get a place uh, if you want to switch the school uh, the pricing for houses around the good state schools are higher than the average price and price uh, house pricing near the schools which consider to be a little bit a little bit worse than mm. the previous one and this all affects your lifestyle and we were trying to calculate how much money do you have uh, you have to collect to raise a kid and this is a generous amount of money i have to say i believe that everyone has its own um, can afford different things, yes. but it is also should be considerable when you're talking about your lifestyle for next 20 years at least. Because sure. you also, you have to support your younger student mm. who, who has to study and um, he wouldn't be able to work a lot of hours during his studies. Crazy. So you had your baby? Yes, that's right. And then? So uh, we decided to build a foothold in Kiev. Okay, and we moved back to Kiev, uh, to which is the be- capital. Yes, which is the capital of Ukraine, to build the very first and huge food market uh, in Kiev as well. Okay, uh, we managed to do this, and we decided to separate. So it was a really hard time for me because I wasn't mentally prepared to be separated with my ex-husband. I okay. wanted my family. I don't want. I didn't want to groom my a son by my own, so I would like him to experience the whole family experience. And I wasn't agreed to this. Uh, it took us a year and a half to get through divorce. Wow. It was a really long and exhausting mm. process. And uh, back then, I had to build a culinary school on the food market, so I was a chef. And I was in charge uh, of some like of some menus, so I decided that I can do um, offline culinary school on the food market. Because of the uh, divorce and separation, uh, this uh, place for school has been given to our, um, it was sublet, sublet to other restaurant, and COVID started. Okay. That was the golden era f- for the online education process, because yeah. everyone stayed at home. So... Um, as long as 
being a part of in the restaurant industry, I've been doing a food blog for just for a pleasure. It wasn't like my full-time work back then. Mm. And I started to, to develop it more uh, the last year when we were, like all the things went bad with my ex-husband. So I put a lot of passion and effort into my blog. And COVID started. COVID was a perfect thing for all online education because people, unfortunately, has been locked at home. Mm. They had more... Uh, time to do some things at home and unfortunately you are with your kids with <laughs> husband which you probably only saw in the morning and in the evening you didn't spend so much time together you yeah. have to eat of course three to four times a day all the members of the family it's not like kids having lunch at school you can have a lunch at work no you have to feed the whole family and we started to do the culinary school online um it was based on my blog and it has extreme success back, back then. I, um, my core product in online business uh, that I created a system named after my name, okay. which helps you to make your kitchen routine easily, more easier. Because in Ukraine, uh, the society is not like the women has to fight for their rights still, and most of the chores are on women we had to cook we had to clean we had to do everything at home right uh, so I, my idea was to make the things easier from women right. to create system which helps you to save time on food shopping to do the preps which help you to provide a fast um, decisions for dinner which doesn't take require a lot of time and still remain healthy so much to unpack there Yes, right. right. So, you know, you grew up in poverty, you then went to go work in fashion, you then quit fashion to be with your husband, started a restaurant, then divorced your husband, then started a food blog, then started an online business, and then went through a war. That's correct. And right. now I had to start again in London with the agency, and I'm so tired of starting over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame you. So let's talk about that. So for people who don't know much about war, and don't really know what happened. Can you tell us a little bit? Uh, so, how did it all begin? I barely remember 2022, to be honest, because we were so shocked and so mentally not prepared to deal with everyday disaster, you see. And the only vision of the war we had is from the history books from the World War Two, mm -hmm. And we had the idea that these things may never happen again right. to our generation. And because uh, um, my grandparents, they've been fighting during the World War II. My grandma has been to the concentration camp in Germany, and she is a survival of the concentration camp. My grandpa has been a part of the armed forces, and wow. like it's a part of our family. And we n could never imagine things went this way between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, for me, it started in January because I returned from my holiday with my son where I had a, a great time. I didn't pay any attention and I, um, doing, I was doing an informational business because uh, online culinary school is something that's information you sell to people. And we've been uh, reading news from Ukraine and from Russia to understand what is happening and the level of anxiety in our society was so high that people do not speak nothing like any other topics were not on the table. 
when you meet your friends, when you meet uh, just a girl you, you just mm -hmm. know, uh, you just went for a coffee with some somebody you know in a supermarket, everyone was talking about if this is gonna to happen to our country or not. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready to understand how to manage with all these things. Because I'm alone with my son, uh, I've been reading a lot of things about how do people evacuate, how could things happen, and I was like, I could not do this. Mm -hmm. I would like I my nervous system. I don't have enough gut. Like, um, actually, born in Ukraine, started in 2014 when the first uh, revolution happens. We switch our uh, president to the legitimate one, mm -hmm. and Russia disagreed to this because they want to support regime in Ukraine. Fine. Um, I was a real fighter back then. I've been on the Maidan. Uh, I worked as a translation translator to international press. We went to places where people were not allowed. There were borderlines and barricades where people were actually dying to for our rights for freedom. Wow. And I went as a translator back then. It was 2014. Uh, I didn't have a child back then, mm -hmm. and I was more brave. And I was I like I felt more free. And also I was uh, a real fighter. Right. But when I became a mother, and um, and also my mom passed away, as I mentioned mm -hmm. before, I understand that I must keep myself uh, healthy and long living person because I had to take care of my son and that's my main priority right now mm. so I could not be like I, I really appreciate people who could go to the occupied territories who could volunteer who could bring uh, medicine and do a lot of things they do just because they can I understand that I am not that brave enough and my child is matters everything to me for now so i had to keep him safe mm. first we went to france and uh, like at the very beginning of the war everyone was thinking that that's something short term mm. uh, that we should wait a week or two wow or three and it will all end <laughs> up and we will just return to our normal life and we have even this joke because it this thesis about two to two, three weeks of war, uh, like two or three weeks passed, and again we had to wait for two or three weeks. And it was taught, uh, we've been heard this a lot from the screens, from part of the government, like just two or three weeks and everything will go to normal, and it doesn't. And you cannot accept that the things are changed and the life has changed. It's like having a child, but um, I think it would. It's not the accurate. Uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> it's to, not the same. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. But also, you, like when you're having a child, your lifestyle and the world you live in changed, but in a good way. Yes. Uh, war is something you never choose. It's not your choice. That's uh, it was Russia's choice to invade Ukraine, and. But a lot of lives have been changed and mm. people had to learn how to live in new environment with new rules. So uh, you're not allowed to be on a street uh, first from 9 p.m. until the morning. Wow. Uh, now it depends on the city. Some cities are from the 12 a.m. until the 6 a.m. You're not allowed to the streets. You cannot use your car. You cannot leave your house. Some troops can try to invade in during night time and they were trying to go to the 
government uh, district like it all happened and died and a lot of Syrians happened at night and a lot of shelling happened at night uh, unfortunately things also happened during the daytime mm. and you people feel unsafe it's like the basic need which is not covered now mm. you're in constant anxiety that sometimes a rock next rocket can be can just be at your house and a lot of moms started to sleep with their kids together mm. uh, and the most awful thing most scary thing i heard is like if the rocket will hit our house it's better for us to be together and to die together so they are sleeping with the kids who are elder not only like the newborns they all sleeping together with this idea and this is so painful for me because mm. people it's so deeply inside people mind and we saw a lot of we've been witness uh, of so many death because uh, I think it's also the impact of social media and that everyone has a mobile phone that yeah. you cannot cover the crimes uh, when the World War two happened and the archives of the concentration camps were released it was a shock no one can believe to this because this Uh, no one can see it on a daily basis and now you can see it on a daily basis and Ukraine is a small country mm. you have friends from all over the Ukraine yes uh, like it could be a person who was my follower and she sent me a message and next day she is gone with her like two years uh, girl in a desk and you open this uh, chat you didn't know the her in person Yeah. But it's uh, or it could be your friends on it could be on the street you lived, um, the borough where I grew up in mm. uh, the eastern part of Ukraine. It is the most uh, damaged part of Kharkiv right now. I saw the house where I grew up. It has no windows at all. Um, I saw the school I went used to my primary school. It's also partly damaged. And it's considerably as the most dangerous part of the city right now because it's the closest to the Russian border. So how did you how did you escape that? Um, uh, Ukrainians don't need a visa just to travel to Euro Union because you can stay as a tourist up to 30 days. And firstly, we stayed in France just to consider if we can return in two or three weeks back home. Right. Uh, I don't know why I choose friends. Probably I was thinking that I am a huge fan of the French culture and maybe I can try to establish my culinary school in France. Like it right. was like the idea because I should, mm. I still have to pay for the living in a, a forced um, relocation, which was never planned. Where to have all this money? What shall I do? I have my son. I had He has to go to school and I had to work, but he wants all my attention and I cannot give him enough attention because I'm deeply into the news. I, my stepfather, uh, he stays like uh, my mom passed away and I have uh, her husband, is, I named him as a dad and he stays in Kharkiv, which is on the eastern part. Like it was so crazy time. I like I, I really literally barely remember to 2022. Uh, It's been ups and downs. I made the Cook Ukrainian course to uh, to raise donations for uh, for Ukraine. It was my firstly made course in English. Uh, mm. I can barely uh, mm, I can barely move my tongue inside my mouth. I forgot all English. 
<laughs> on all oh. English worlds. And but we gather some decent amount of money to donate to two funds in Ukraine. I did a voluntary dinner here uh, for 40 people by my own. Wow. A dishes 40 people. <laughs> it's like running a marathon, but Crazy. in the kitchen. Yes. And after accomplish and find a flat to live here to sign up the rent. After after accomplish all this race, I was like, now I can go into depression. And I laid... <laughs> Um, I went to depression for uh, like a de- like an episode of depression oh for th- uh, three four months. It was like uh, hardest pi- part of my life. I'd never been there before. So uh, we stayed in France, and I was thinking maybe probably I can do something with the kitchen here. But French culture is so authentic. They do not accept like nothing apart from their own cuisine. Right. Uh, they tend to spend a lot of time on the supermarket. They can chat a lot. They can spend two, two hours per dinner. It's a mm. part of the culture. Yes. And as I told before, my core product was a system which helps you to do the preps, to cook faster. It's not like the Doesn't part align, of... Yes. Yeah. And I was thinking like, I know English and probably... Uh, what I heard about the British culture, food culture, maybe I will, my product will be more useful here, mm. so I should go to London. And uh, there was a humanitarian program opened uh, by the Lon- uh, British government named the Homes for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And a lo- like I found uh, people who now I consider as a part of my family here. Uh, it was girl Olivia. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so uh, I never thought that I would be blessed enough to have her in my life because she uh, let us to live at her place in London Wow! Uh, with my son. Yes, because I didn't understand what is happening, how to do the documents. Oh uh, should I go to school or we can go back or should we just wait for one month and go back home? Like, mm-hmm. what shall I do? And she opened our, uh, her house to complete strangers. We never meet in personal before we met through internet uh, the site which has no verification so I could be a scammer or she could be a, you know, a human tr- a trader <laughs> both of us were at some sort of risks and we were lucky enough to have each other in our lives uh, Was she single? I, Was she living with a family? Or? Uh, she is uh, thing- single but I also met her, whole her family who supported her in this decision and they spent so much time with my son and they even uh, we went to the to Christmas to meet them on Christmas, and they uh, made a huge uh, like a, a lot of presents to my son. It was so touching because I was like literally crying when I was uh, watching afterwards on my iPhone. Because that's the people who never know me before. They opened their house for me. Uh, they pay so much attention to my little one who mm. doesn't have nobody in this country apart of me. And he was so happy. And they also chose the presents which he really likes. So sweet. It was How so old was she? Sweet. Olivia was uh, 28 back then. <gasps> yes. You're joking. And I would say that I don't think that I was so good at my 28s. And... I don't think, like, she taught me a lot how to be kind to people and how to support people. It was a good lesson for me. Cause what an amazing girl, woman. Yes, she's awesome. incre- she an incredible person, and I admire her so much. So you um, lived at her house with her? Yes, we lived here. For and so you, you went to live with Olivia. Did you have a job at this point? I still uh, was running my uh, online cooking school in Ukraine. Got it. 
um, I was trying to establish, uh, I was thinking, should I start the same in English here? Mm. Or maybe I can run it remotely from Ukraine. My main goal was to um, to keep my team together. Correct. Because people had to receive salaries. I had to pay uh, taxes. I had to, like I did, the mo- like my obligations was not only laying about my son, but as, as an entrepreneur, I carry this um i had to be the proper um uh, employ- employment mm. for my for the people who believes in me and who works along with me so i know that a lot of businesses has been closed some people didn't receive their salaries because the rule of law when the war happens it's like the most first major thing which can happen to you ever and um, like a lot of uh, contracts not working everything not working it's complete chaos mm. so my main goal was to keep my team together and uh, my god yes and i was thinking like what shall i do should i rent here or oh god maybe it will soon come to an end and i can return and keep going with my own business like it's not the decision you can make in a day it's not Yes. And, you know, just listening to your story, if, if I just recap really quickly, you grew up in poverty, you then went to go work in fashion, That's you right. then quit your dream fashion job because you met your husband. But this also was my decision. Yes, of course. No, he didn't force you. Yes, yes. But I'm saying that you worked really hard in the fashion industry. Yes, you then right. met your husband, you quit fashion, you then opened up a restaurant with him, you then divorced your husband, you were then a single mother, you then went through a war, you then fled a war lived in a country with a complete random stranger and then started a new business. <laughs> But you mentioned something around, you know, for months and months you held it all in. And then you said when you came here, then you just allowed yourself to be in depression. Yes, it's true. Talk, talk, talk me through that. Uh, so I was uh, so gathered together. So I had to uh, keep my team. I had to make the donations. We did this cook Ukrainian thing to pay the salary to people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, some volunteer work. We also made the, some refugee project before. When uh, I forgot to mention this, this important to thing uh, to say. So when the war started and everything was in chaos, there were a lot of people offering help, and a lot of people um, need in, uh, need needs help. So we made the Tinder for refugees, uh, as my team was working. Uh, manually connected people from different countries with people who live in Ukraine, like if they need to spend a day or night somewhere or they need some food or they uh-huh. need a doctor. So before it all was established on a government level, so it mm-hmm. took some time from the different countries, we made this manually before the very beginning of the war. And also uh, we sent, uh, when it all started, we sent a lot of materials through Facebook and Instagram account to Russia audience to mm. show them what happens because the propaganda TV they don't didn't show what happened in Ukraine and we were targeting the audience at the very beginning of the war uh, specifically in Russia to see to show them what happened that it's all like a fake war we mm. never asked Russia to invade us which was told to Russian people and I spent like my marketing budget on the school because uh, I want to stop this I truly believed that I can stop the war <laughs> if I sent this target arts to people in Russia. So it was my I thought back then. That's so sweet. Did it help? No. <laughs> Just a waste of time. But uh, I have no questions to me. I did what I can do back then. Yes. What you thought was right and also what you could actually try and control, right? And, and do what you could do to help. 
it's really tough right now, I'm sure, to, to still see people suffering and still see people, you know, that you've grown up with, I guess, go through such a difficult time. How, how, how did you come out of that depression? How do you cope now when you think of terrible things? Um, so I don't know how this happens to me, but I am uh, a deeply empathetic person. And when you witness a lot of crimes happening through the screen, mm. you like implement it on yourself. It's not, as long as I've been here for like a long time, when I see uh, women which have been raped in Ukraine, people have been tortured, you are so shocked and it's like you, like your mind works, like it happens to your people, so it yeah. may happen to you. So I didn't even went to, like I didn't want to talk to men back then because I felt like they can be dangerous. This was mm. like a piece of trauma I received. I think that's a trauma of witness mm. when you are so deeply inside the situation. So and it makes me. It so it makes me, so. I was like running a marathon with all these volunteer projects, a refugee project, dinner, uh, finding a flat to rent, cope with all the new stuff uh, like how to throw out the garbage, how to pay your bills, mm -hmm. uh, how to sign up the rent, finding a school. When I accomplished all this, mm. I decided now I can live and die. <laughs> Lay down and die or something like mm. this. So I, uh, this cool holidays begin. I was with my son and um, lack of people I know, lack of socialization, and I was barely socializing. I didn't respond to emails to people, wow. working emails. Um, I don't know. My team somehow worked on a course which is continue like my business uh, continued to work, but I don't know how did they manage to do it. I was totally uninvolved back then, and I believe that this was a time when I lost myself as a person completely because I lost my identification. Either I am Ukrainian or I'm a refugee. I don't want to be a refugee. I don't want to put a label of the refugee on my head. Mm. I am still a person I've been before. I've been through different difficult times. Uh, my divorce was not all uh, was not a sweet experience at mm. all. It, I learned a lot from this. Like, what am I doing here? Can I find friends? Like... Uh, what will happen to my country? Yeah, it was so many questions and no answers. And how did you overcome that? Um, it's I think so difficult. It's difficult when you're so stressed out. I mean, just dealing with one of those things in isolation is is crazy. That's true. So dealing with all of them in tandem, and then you know balancing motherhood and coming to a new country and figuring yourself out and your business and everything. How did you come out of that depression? I believe that. Uh, you never know how many kids saved their lives of their parents. And because mm. there is a small person who requires your attention and whenever can you do this or you cannot, he wants to eat, mm. he wants your attention, he needs to speak to. And first, I, like I barely managed all these routines, but somehow step by se step with support of the, I've been to the well-being center, mental well-being center here in NHS, and I had the support from my therapist in Ukraine, mm -hmm. uh, we work online. Uh, somehow, step by step, I managed to go back on feet, but still I um, remain emotionally unstable, I believe, for half a year, um, yeah. up until the January. And oh, I forced myself to be less involved in what happened in Ukraine because my main goal is to raise a small Ukrainian boy I have with me. Yes. Focusing on what you can control yes. rather than trying to save the world. That's right. What was your biggest lesson 
Uh, my biggest lesson is you can never under, you can never underestimate the power of women who can launch and run successful project when the whole country collapse into war. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. We have so much power within us, don't we? And I think often when we go through difficult times, we question it. I question it all the time. You know, am I good enough? I don't think I'm, I'm going to do well. You know, I'm, I'm not actually very eloquent in this element or, you know, I want to give up or whatever it is. We can very quickly doubt ourselves and very quickly, you know, diminish any power we have within us. But the number one thing to focus on is what can you control? What can you do today? And, you know, what you said around those stages and those steps, it's not a transformative period that one day you wake up and you think, oh, I'm out of depression. That's right. It's also not that every day you're going to make a big move. It's not every day you're going to make a really big jump in a specific area. It's not every day you're going to grow dramatically within your business, whatever it is. It's all about those small steps and it's actually all around the inconsistencies is what I've realized. One day you might, you know, do something really small and that's the biggest win of your day. And the next day you might do something really big and that's the biggest win of your day. It doesn't have to be consistent in terms of the growth or the, the segment every day. And I think that you have to appreciate things uh, even if they sound silly, like there could be your friend who, oh, I had a new top role in my um, corporate career. Yes. And I managed to get up from the bed and wash my hair. Yeah. And this is both equally important thing in somebody's life. So even true. if it may seem from the side like, what, you wash your hair, that's your obligation. Yeah. But sometimes you never know what people are running through at the, same, uh, the very same moment. If you had to give one message to people who are listening and watching this today around what they could do to help or your biggest lesson from this whole experience, what would it be? I want you to believe in yourself the way you believe in your kids. Like you are the biggest fan of your kids. Mm -hmm. Always you support them. You, are, uh, you can do anything to them. And I want you to treat your inner child the same way you treat your real child. I love that. It's so nice. And for those who don't have children, if you have, you know, nieces or nephews or, you know, a best friend or something. You always love your parents as well. Mm -hmm. And you, I believe that you love your mother and you want the best for your mother as well. And I want you never criticize yourself and never put yourself down. I want you, like, you know, if somebody will argue to your mother, you want to protect her. Of course. And I want you to feel the same way for you, to yourself. I love that. That was so nice. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being so vulnerable. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure to be here today. Oh, thank you, Alyssa.